At some point in time, your company is likely to be the victim of a data security breach. Other than panic, what should you do? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. We're seeing an epidemic of data breaches at companies large and small. Hackers can gain entrance to your information in a variety of unexpected ways, and they're getting smarter all the time. So how should a company react when a breach occurs? The stakes are huge. Not only is there a substantial cost to bear, you risk the loss of valuable customers and a stain on your corporate reputation that's tough to erase. Today, we're going to learn about some strategies that companies can deploy in the wake of a data breach. My guest is Carla Jo Helms, who calls herself Chief Evangelist and Anti-PR Strategist for the international public relations agency Joto. She'll help us to understand why so many companies, in responding to a data breach, get it wrong. We'll hear the most common mistakes and how they can be avoided with proper planning. So start working on that crisis playbook. And here is my conversation with Carla Jo Helms. Carla Jo Helms, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob Bowman. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. Why are we seeing so many data breaches among U.S. companies today? I really think it's because the U.S. is a wealthy country. Data breaches, hackers, malicious intent to get information, they follow the money. And data today is extremely profitable. So we see a lot more data breaches in the U.S. than you will in other countries. I think out of last year, there were over 1,700 data breach incidents that were reported. Obviously, there's many more, and over 1,400 were in the U.S. And I guess the sources can be varied. Some of them are private sources. Some of them are hackers. Some of them are hostile foreign governments. I I guess it's sort of all of the above, right? It's all of the above. It's even internally. You can have malicious intent from internal people within your organization, disgruntled employees, people that actually are working there for that specific reason. It's hard to confront for companies. I think evil is very hard for people to confront. But those are the reports that are coming in based on the hacks that have been or the data breaches that have been publicized. Crazy, huh? Can you say roughly what proportion of those breaches are inside jobs versus outside hacks? The last report I read, it can be as high as 67%. Not all 67% are malicious. We could say roughly around 60%. Some of them is just we're human. Um, so there's human error, right? So they misaddressed an email and they send it to someone else, got valuable information, stolen devices. But there are malicious employees as well. 
Do you count an inside employee as failing to take steps to protect the inner system in this category, like if someone uses a bad password or doesn't use a password at all or introduces a outside flash drive and unwillingly introduces some kind of malware into the system? Is that all part of the 67% or is that a separate issue entirely? It's all part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you have auxiliary industries that have come up next to your spamware and your malware, which is cyber breach training for employees, for corporations. I mean, it's a big factor. Everything that you mentioned there is a huge factor in today's business culture. Can you generalize as to which industries are suffering the most from data breaches these days? It used to be that education was the highest. The general business has come in the lead medical, government and financial are neck and neck, and medical, of course, healthcare, but also manufacturing and financial services are under attack. And you have to look at today, data is highly profitable. Getting credit cards is almost a moot point sometimes for hackers because those aren't as fruitful anymore based off of being able to freeze those accounts or stop them or whatever, but it's the data. It's the names, the social security numbers. Any information is extremely profitable, and that's why those industries can get hacked. Do you think that companies are doing a good enough job policing their own data breaches? I mean, is there always typically a person in charge, a security officer whose sole job is to do this? Or is it something that maybe is an afterthought at some companies, thereby leading to more vulnerability? It's mostly an afterthought. It has yet to become a standard position in a company to have a hacker be able to come in and have that be as a position. Remember how social media started and we didn't have social media managers and now it's a position and now people are going through school for it? It'd be highly advantageous for companies to hire proactive hackers to be able to see if their systems were vulnerable. And I think that's where these industries are going to be going more and more often because it's typically an afterthought and that's what gets them into trouble. They don't think they can be breached. Well, given that current state of affairs, then, how long does it take for an average company to even realize that it has suffered a security breach? Okay, this is a crazy answer, but it's about, on average, 200 days. Oh, seriously? Yeah. It's hovered for the past couple of years around 206, so it's gone down to 191 on average, but it's about 200 days to even detect that it's happened. Wow, that's a long time. And I guess you can think of uh, two stages of mistakes here. One is the length of time it takes just to discover the breach, and then the second one is the length of time it takes to disclose it, which is also a big issue, right? Yeah, it is the number one problem. If you talk to many breach experts or cyber breach experts or security experts, the number one issue that can cost the most money is the disclosure of the information. They don't react fast enough. They don't react empathetic enough. They don't take control of the message. The longer you wait to discover it, the bigger it is, the more horrific it is. And that tends to go hand in hand with the disclosure. The bigger the problem, the the bigger the issues, the bigger the potential embarrassment, litigation, PR nightmares, and that tends to make people withhold themselves. They don't want to do anything wrong. But when you're mitigating the court of public opinion, you have to be super fast. Not only do you have customers whose own data may be at risk, you have shareholders that perhaps you would not like them to know for the longest period of time that something's gone wrong that could actually affect your share price, too. So I guess they're very protective for that reason. 
Yes. It tends to go against our intuitive nature to get out ahead of it and say, oh my gosh, we messed up and communicate that information. But when companies do that, they mitigate the damage much better because they're the ones that have filled the vacuum first. When you wait too long to fill the vacuum, to tell the information, and then typically it's an outside source that discloses that information for you, you're behind the eight ball. And then you're playing catch up and you're in defense. And once you get into the point of defense, you've pretty much lost the game. You can always recover using great PR and great legal, but it's going to cost you way more. Well, let's say for a company that's hacked for the first time, what is the likelihood that that company is vulnerable to future repeated hacks? (laughs) That's a good question. You think, what do you think? Do you think it would be never? They'd be so locked down that that would never happen? Well, you certainly think they would have learned their lesson. Yeah. But that obviously is not the case. That laugh indicates that that's not the case, right? (laughs) No, it's not the case. They are 27% more likely that they'll experience another breach within two years. So corporate culture doesn't change just because you have one bad incident. You're right. It is a corporate culture. So you have to change every aspect of the corporate culture from the top all the way down to the mailroom. And there's many things that you have to do to get in place. And it's not a set it and forget it. You have to constantly educate. You have to constantly stay ahead of what the new hacking ideas are. It would be good to have a hacker on post, to have a whole department. If you really have a lot of data that's sensitive, you really need to stay ahead of it because that's what these hackers are doing. I mean, they're making money from it and they have a lot of ingenuity. (laughs) They have a lot of aspirations and they're spending 24-7 their time on figuring out how to breach companies that have valuable information. So you, you have to have that sort of culture yourself. Let's take an example of a relatively recent catastrophic security breach, that of Equifax in 2017, which I understand the company has already spent about more than $242 million on that incident and probably more to come. What should Equifax have done differently? Let's talk about that as kind of a case study and an example for other companies to learn from their mistake. So we want to know what they could have done better. Well, let's look at what they did or didn't do, and let's compare that with what would have been more optimum for them. They had a data breach that affected 147, I think it was, almost 148 million Americans. And they found out about the data breach, but they waited nearly six weeks before they announced it. However, three of their executives sold off nearly $2 million in shares in the interim. And they mm-hmm. didn't reach out directly to the impacted consumers. I mean, that's a 148 million upset people. They set up a website. They just were very extremely reactive. Oh, my gosh, we're sort of screwed mentality, right? Maybe covering up their tracks. They set up a website for people to go in and sort of get help and see if they had been breached. But it wasn't ready for days. They offered free credit monitoring services initially, but then it required you to waive your rights to sue. And then they were charging people for credit freezes. Of course, the data breach was huge, but what followed was really their own making. Their lack of transparency, their ineffectual communications. What they should have done is just got out right in front of it 
communicated this happened, what they were doing to fix it. They should have been in every media interview proactively. They would have to have, of course, their legal team and their PR team working in tandem with this. But they really should have been on every media interview that they could have to proactively communicate, number one, that they were sorry, number two, what they were doing about it, number three, that they had hired forensic investigators, I don't know if they did or not, would help them figure out what happened, when it happened, how it happened, what was impacted. People, when they have been wronged, they want retribution. Obviously, there were some things that were unethical, maybe even against the law. We also know there's insider trading. At that particular point, the board of directors they have to come in and bypass management. They either have to put a head on a pike, they have to get rid of certain people. It's a clean sweep. You don't have that kind of problem as a coincidence or a mistake. There is a concatenation of ills in that culture that caused that severe amount of breach. And so you have to be so proactive to the degree of the breach in communication and PR and discipline and legal in order to restore the company back to good graces. Here's what I don't understand about a company like Equifax. In retrospect, everything you just told me seems blindingly obvious, and yet they made every mistake in the book. I'm not asking that you read the minds necessarily of Equifax's executives, but do you have any sense of what goes through the mind of a company when it makes a series of blunders and then looks back later and says, oh, my goodness, we should have done A, B, C, and D, what you just told me. What is a company thinking when it makes these mistakes? What you said, blindingly obvious, in just about every crisis management campaign that I've studied or worked on, that is a prevailing factor. People panic. And so they are not objective. They are too subjective. They are too in it. You really have to have very expert and strong teams, a strong legal team, a strong public relations team, a strong forensic team that works together to advise management and actually does a lot of the dirty work for that company to get them out of trouble. There are exact communication laws to handle crises. Because when you're dealing with public relations, you're dealing with large-scale audiences. And what you would normally do, just normally as a person to defend yourself, are the polar opposite things that you need to do in a crisis situation. It is so counterintuitive, and you can't do it subjectively. You have to have those objective experts that help you. And what you're talking about, yes, it is common sense, but it's never common sense when you're in a panic and when you've been caught doing something wrong, even if it was unwitting. Well, it certainly seems like a good way to avoid that panic would be to have some very careful, detailed plans laid out in advance of a breach. So what do you do? Do you have like a playbook that you pull down from the shelf the moment something this happens? You know, some companies talk about when they have some serious supply chain disruption, they set up a war room and they immediately get going based on a plan that's already been laid out. Do you recommend that that sort of thing be prepared in yeah, advance? Yes. And I, we're seeing companies, not enough, but we're seeing companies start to get these in plan in place well beforehand. There is not one size fits all, but you do have to have a strategy in place that can be very fluid and you have to have your key teams on call to like your war room. 
so that you can put that strategy into action. You need a breach attorney or a breach attorney team. They typically have experiencing and knowing what bucket your particular breach falls into. What are the state, local, federal laws, whether law enforcement should be involved. They work with the PR team to help you internally organize the appropriate parties, the notifications. And while they're working at it from a legal side, you have your PR specialist. And they help proactively communicate the messaging to protect your company's reputation. And that has to be near instantaneous. And then they have to be proactive in being able to predict how those audiences are going to take that news and understand how best to deliver continuing news. You have to be super transparent. And then you should have a forensic investigator team. Those are the three simultaneous teams that you have. Because that team needs to help you figure out what happened, when it happened, how it happened. But that's your war room. And those strategies are, again, they're not a one-size-fits-all, but you can come up with several scenarios based on your company, what could happen, what you do in case this happens, scenario A, scenario B, scenario C. And when you have to execute that, it goes off. It can go off near flawlessly. You have to be super fluid because it never happens exactly on paper but you plan for the worst, you hope for the best. That way, when something like that happens, you just pull out that strategy and you go into action. Most people are too panicked to even think about what to do. They're thinking about all the things that could go wrong, that will go wrong, the money they're going to lose. And it really freaks people out past the point of being able to have solid judgment. And would you recommend also going forward once the breach has been addressed that the companies be very open with the public about what went wrong internally and what they found, what their forensic investigators yeah. found? Or is that privileged information? There's a fine line with that. Yes, you do need to be transparent. But there are acceptable truths to tell. Sometimes the blatant truth can really upset or scare people beyond their ability to handle it because they don't have enough information or education on that particular issue or topic or whatever to be able to handle it well. But you do need to be transparent. This is the information age. People have the ability to get the information, uh, whether you like it or not. You want them to get the right information. You want them to get it from you. You don't want them to get it from someone else. You are more likely to contain the trust, to mitigate the damage if you're the one that speaks out. Even going so much to be an advocate for security breaches, like protection of security breaches afterwards for similar type companies and really taking a stance to sort of make up the damage society-wise. These are things that can go a long way in protecting a company's reputation and getting them back on top. Well, Carla Jo Helms, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand what companies can and should be doing in the event of a data security breach. Very valuable information, and we hope that companies kind of wake up to the need for this. But thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. I hope companies take a more proactive approach to protecting their data, but also putting themselves in a strategic mindset of what they need to do should something happen in case the inevitable ever happens to them. That was my conversation with Carla Jo Helms of Joto PR, talking about what actions companies should take in the event of a data security breach. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content 
including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.